0: Hey there, welcome to the RIM Church Podcast. We're so glad you found us. The RIM Church is based in San Antonio, Texas, and we believe in loving Jesus, building family, and changing the world. Wherever you find yourself today, we trust that it is not by accident that you're listening to this message, and we believe that God has something to speak to you right where you are. For more information on what we're all about, go ahead and visit us at therim.church or follow us on Instagram and Facebook. We hope you enjoyed the message. Amen. You can have a seat. Well, good morning. My name is Austin Johnson. I'm one of the pastors here at The Rim, and I'm excited for this morning. Our mission as a church is to create space for people to discover the beauty of Jesus. We believe that that primarily happens not in this room, but that happens all throughout the week in the unique spaces that God has actually given each and every one of us to steward that God's given each and every one of us a masterpiece mission, a place that he sent us to uniquely fill. And over the month of February, we've been praying and fasting. And we've been praying and fasting for God to move within us personally. But also, hopefully, we've identified some people that we're praying and fasting for as well in this season. So today, we find ourselves in the last week of our Awaken series, in the last week of our Bless Rhythms. So we've been going through these blessed rhythms that hopefully as we pray and fast, we're not just praying and fasting passively. But we're actually having rhythms of life to engage the people around us. Well, these blessed rhythms won't just be something we've talked about during this sermon series, but something that will actually continue on. Uh, I think the QR code of how we've been seeing Jesus move throughout the week as we've been a blessing, we're probably going to keep that around on a week-to-week basis. Uh, from a, hey, how have we gotten to live a blessing lifestyle this past week? So this is not the end, but it is the end of our sermon series. So as we jump in to our understanding uh, today, I've got to give a big shout out to a great friend of the RIM. Uh, His name is Caesar Kalinowski. Some of you guys may know who he is. Some of you may not. Great. Uh, A lot of what we're going to cover today has been of influence from him and then some friends at the, the Kansas City Underground. So today, it's our last Letter and bless or acronym. It starts with the letter B, obviously, which is to begin in prayer. It's this idea of Jesus, where are you at work? And how can I join you in what you're doing? And then as we identify what Jesus is doing, okay, we begin to listen and engage the people around us. What is Jesus actually doing? We're learning to listen to people's hearts, what's actually going on in their life not just what they're saying, we're actually engaging with them. And then we eat, we share meals, we share a table with people. Jesus did a lot of his ministry at a table. The table is a place where, man, we become common together, where God's face becomes known at a table. Last week, Lashad walked us through this idea of serve, that we're actually the hands and feet of Jesus as we serve the people around us. And this week, we're wrapping it up with story. And this is what I believe. If we are a people that commit to beginning in prayer, listening and engaging, eating and serving, we will always get the right to share our story with people. And that may be after a week, that may be after a year, but if we are consistently praying and asking Jesus, where are you at work? How do we join you? We're sharing meals with people. We're listening. We're serving them. We will always have the opportunity to share our story. But here's the problem. I think many of us face, what I've faced personally in my life, when it comes to this idea of sharing your story a lot of us can be actually kind of afraid sometimes. Okay, what does it actually mean to share my, to share my story? How is it not just something where it's? Just, I think for many people, it's become a script. Like maybe I've, I've learned a script where it's actually kind of detached from who I actually am. I've memorized, okay, I'm supposed to say this and say this, but when, when it comes to how how is the gospel actually touch your life? Like when we're sitting across the table from somebody and sharing our story, it's, man, how has Jesus actually shown up in your life? Not just this pie in the sky, here's this nice story. How has Jesus actually moved in your life and how can you communicate that? So my hope today is that we'd walk away with at least one of three things. Number one, that we'd walk away being reminded of the overarching story of God that we'd actually just walk away, a greater understanding of the full story of God. Number two, that we would walk away being able to articulate our own stories through the lens of God's story, and then actually practice sharing that with one another. So today, as we we interact, there's going to be a lot of time to actually kind of silently reflect, kind of even write some things down. So if you have a, a journal and a pen, I'd love to invite you to get that out. If you have Don't have that when you have your phone. You will need the the notes app on your phone. And the third thing I hope is that perhaps through our time together, the Holy Spirit would maybe even identify an area of your life where evaluating and looking at your story, you've realized that instead of turning to Jesus, you've been turning to other things. That Jesus would actually get to speak to you about that. Maybe even call you home. So we can learn to tell our story through God's story. And God's story has four major movements. Creation, fall, redemption, and restoration. Those are the four movements that are not just God's story, but almost every story in the world follows these four movements. Watch a movie, a TV show, a book. It may not always be creation, fall, redemption, restoration, In that order, but those are the four elements. They may replace, the fall happens first, and there's the the backstory of creation, but these are the four main elements of almost every story in human history. This is the story of of God, but it's also our stories. We have a creation, fall, redemption, and restoration. And the story, it reveals to us what God has done, what God is doing, and what God will do. So it's this idea of how will we know what God wants us to do in our life today? By understanding what God has done, is doing, and what God will do. Ultimately, all of this is summed up in the person of Jesus, his life, death, resurrection, and return. And all this reveals something of utmost importance, who God is. So I believe what we're going to do today, we're actually going to Learn to share our stories through this lens. And I believe if we learn to share our stories through the lens of God's story, no matter what your story is, it becomes the gospel. It is God's story through your story. Which means that as you share your story, even if your story is different than what somebody else is sharing, because it's ultimately how God has moved in your life, it's going to be good news. It's going to speak to questions they they didn't even know how to ask because it's the gospel. That's on display in your life. It's that Jesus is the hero. So, the last thing before we dive in, we all have a story, an overarching story, but we also have hundreds of other little stories. You may have heard us talk about it a lot. Following Jesus is this process of moving from unbelief to belief in every area of life. Now, there's this moment where maybe you start trusting in Jesus with your eternity there's also this idea of, I'm learning to trust Jesus with my finances, with my marriage, with my relationships. We all have multiple gospel stories. And so as we begin to identify and articulate our own stories today, I want to encourage you, don't focus on every little detail in your story. If we really want Jesus to be the hero, we all have a lot of different elements in our story. Yes. And if we add in a bunch of details and we don't keep kind of one through line, so let's just say finances. I want to share how Jesus has redeemed how I view finances in my life. If I start talking about, you know, how my wife and I have been fighting about all this other stuff, we have been fighting, but it may actually distract from what Jesus is talking about in finances. That may be a different story to share. So as we articulate our stories, I just want to encourage you, try and keep it to maybe one or two areas of your life. I'll, I'll, I'll guide us through it because we want to make sure that Jesus is the hero. And it's clear that Jesus has redeemed a specific area of your life. Our stories ultimately are not about us. They're about Jesus. So the way that we share our stories, we want to learn to share them in the same way. So as we, this is kind of how, how we're going to walk through it. I'm going to give kind of a summary of each of those four movements. And after each summary of God's story, I'm going to kind of set up how that plays out in our lives personally. And then I'm actually going to give a space to process and think alone and kind of answer some questions when it comes to creation, the creation of your own story, and the fall of your own story, the redemption, the restoration. And at the very end, you'll have maybe, I don't know, eight to ten sentences. And during kind of our prayer time together, you actually get to share that with the people around you. Your story will not be perfectly articulated. It will not be all pretty, but it will be a start. I, I hope that the gospel will come through as we get to share our stories together. So as we jump into creation, I just want to invite you one more time, just to pause, maybe close your eyes, and just ask Jesus to show you your own story just for a second. Father as we look at your story and our stories this morning would you reveal to us how you've already you've always been at work how you are at work and how you want to continue to work in our lives we thank you that you've come and you've redeemed us and you're restoring us so through your story and our stories today would the gospel become tangible When we get to hear the good news, how Jesus has come to rescue, redeem, and restore all things. We love you. In Jesus' name. So creation. God created us and made this world his temple. He he placed humanity here as his image bearers and representatives to serve as co-creators, priests, and kings. Creation was the overflow of love, Joy, generosity, and community between the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There's one Hebrew word that sums up the original intent of creation. Shalom. Shalom means peace, but it's far more than a ceasefire. The entire earth was a place of universal flourishing, wholeness, and delight. The story begins with peace between God and us peace with one another, peace with creation, and even peace within ourselves. Everything was as it ought to be. So this is how it plays out in our lives personally. You should be able to see this on the screens here. Everyone has a fundamental belief about our origin. Who or what gave you your existence? Who made you who you are? Who shaped you into the person you are today? And ultimately, it answers this question, who or what do you credit for who you are today? Everyone has a belief about their origin, of what they're giving credit to a person, a circumstance that is why they are who they are today. It's this question, how did your life begin? Where were you born Maybe telling briefly about your family, your parents, how many brothers or sisters you have, and what really began to shape who you were becoming as a person before you began to be a disciple of Jesus. So the key question here is who or what most shaped you, most shaped who you thought you were, and where you got your real value and identity in life from? who or what most shaped who you thought you were and where you got your real value and identity from. Maybe tell a little bit about what shaped you into the person you're becoming. What gave you your identity? That could be the influence of good friends or bad friends, some music, films, a particular group of friends, your parents. But who or what shaped you, who you thought you were and gave you your real sense of identity? So this is what I'd love to invite you to do, either with your physical, notebook notebook or your virtual one, I'd love to invite you to write out two to three sentences that answers that question. Who or what most shaped your understanding of yourself? And what were the sources of your sense of personal value and identity? I'm going to give you like even two to three minutes. Don't rush through it. Again, it's not going to be perfect and pretty because we we are on a little bit of a timeline here this morning. But just roughly kind of think about it and then jot down two or three sentences to kind of answer that question. And then we'll we'll keep going with, with the next part of our story. Unfortunately, humanity eventually chose to rebel against God and his authority, choosing to live in their own ways instead of his. Since God will not allow evil and rebellion to remain in his presence, humanity was sent out of the garden away from God. That shalom was broken and it brought decay and death. Disharmony and separation cracked our relationships with God, creation, each other, and even within ourselves. So this is how it plays out in our lives personally. Everyone on the, on the planet believes that there is a reason for why people or community in the world is broken. Each person has a fundamental belief about the cause of brokenness and has a deep desire for justice in the form of righteous judgment. People may blame their parents, their family, their friends, their boss, the government for what they've become and want justice by putting the blame on someone else for the pain and the brokenness in the world. Everyone kind of has a fall guy mentality. Someone is to blame and someone deserves to be punished. And ultimately this answers why things and people are not the way they're supposed to be and who's to blame for it. Why things and people are not the way they're supposed to be and who is to blame for it. So maybe begin to think, what was happening in your life that was broken? That's not the way God created it to be? Maybe it was relationships, health, respect for parents, teachers, yourself. What types of sins were you maybe falling into? And what were the effects of it? I would encourage you, even if you can include specific areas of unbelief or sin from your life, behaviors and or attitudes, what types of things other than trusting God did you try to use to fix your life, but they didn't work? Include something you've been looking to save you in your life that ultimately failed. So this is really the key question here. Why was your relationship with God, others, or anything else in your life not the way it was supposed to be? Like God created it. So who or what were you ultimately blaming this on and then you came to realize it was really your own sin that had messed everything up? So again... This is how we're going to spend our time this morning. I'm going to give you two or three minutes. Uh, it's actually come up with two or three sentences to evaluate. Based on your creation, man, why was your relationship with God, others, or anything else in your life not the way it was supposed to be, like God created it? So go ahead and take two or three minutes, write two or three sentences that kind of answers that question. God began his plan of redemption by creating a redemptive covenant community. Through Abraham, God created a nation of people who were invited to join him in blessing and redeeming all nations and all things. However, the people of Israel find that they can never keep the covenant and they continuously lose their way. But the prophets proclaimed that God would send a Messiah to rescue Israel Furthermore, they describe a future world where shalom, that peace and universal flourishing is restored between God, humanity, and all of creation. And then God comes to earth in Jesus, the Messiah. He is fully God, he's fully man. Despite being tempted in every way as we are, Jesus lives without sin, fulfilling the covenant Israel or we could never keep. He preached the good news of the kingdom and demonstrated the beauty and goodness of it with his life and miracles. Through his death and resurrection, Jesus confers that covenant faithfulness to us as a gift. And now we are all invited to join in covenant in the kingdom not based on our merits, but by grace. Amazing grace is the only way to enter and live in the story. God became like us so that we could become like him. In Jesus, God is for us, with us, one of us, and in us. So this is how it plays out in our lives personally. Everyone has a solution that they believe in. A remedy that they're looking for, or a savior that they believe is going to redeem them from the brokenness of their life and the world. Many are looking to philosophy, others are looking for a plan for self improvement or personal growth. And many believe some kind of reform in education or politics will change things. Everyone believes in a redeemer or in a self-improvement plan of sorts. And it answers the question, who or what are you hoping will rescue you and redeem you from what's broken in this world? So I want to invite you to explain how the sins and the areas of unbelief you mentioned above the effects of these sins in your life were rescued and redeemed by Jesus. Try to connect those specific sins or areas of unbelief to specific parts of the story of God and how Jesus' life, death, and resurrection has redeemed and restored those parts of your life back to the way God created them to be. So this is the key question. How has Jesus paid the penalty for your sin when he died on the cross? And how... Did you come to put your faith and trust in him to save you and restore your life to the way God intended it to be? Now, before you write down two or three sentences, I just want to encourage you, try and keep it about Jesus. A lot of us may unintentionally at this part of our story, we may actually make the church the hero. We may make our friend or our future spouse the hero. They they may be part of your story, but we want to make sure that, and sharing it, people are walking away knowing that Jesus changed my life. Not just I started going to this church and life started getting really good and here I am. How has Jesus actually transformed and redeemed your life? So go ahead, take two or three minutes, two or three sentences. How has Jesus paid the penalty for your sin? And how did you come to put your faith and trust in him to save you and restore your life the way God intended it to be? And if you're in the room and you go, hey, honestly, that's not me. That's okay. I love, we love to talk afterwards. Maybe, even, but you can write out what are you putting your faith and your trust in. Go ahead and take two or three minutes. Before Jesus, Israel was designed to be this new community that God would use to bless the world. Before his ascension, Jesus created a new community called the church for this purpose, and everyone is invited. The church exists for the universal mission of making disciples in all nations and manifesting the kingdom in all the earth. The Bible makes this audacious claim that Jesus is now physically present on earth through this new community, through his body, through the church. We are the hands and feet of Christ, and we wait for his return. The full restoration of the world will only be completed at the return of Jesus. At the second coming, evil will be judged and decisively defeated Heaven and earth will collide and commingle completely. And the world will finally be as it was intended in creation a place of universal flourishing and universal shalom. The Bible describes this ultimate reality as a new heaven and new earth. But until then, we join God and bring that future into the present by announcing and demonstrating the kingdom in our lives, our families our neighborhoods, communities, and the world. So in our lives personally, this looks like every person has a picture of the future when everything is as it should be or how they hope it will be. Some see a utopia with humans all living at peace with one another. Others believe Mother Earth and humanity will be one. So others see another world, they will go to where they will be at the center of it. Some people's future hope is to be married, to have kids, to get a job, to be rich, or insert whatever else. Everyone wants something better, restoration of what they believe their world should be. And it answers what the world or your world will look like when all is as it should be and who or what will be the focus of that world. So here's the question. What's happening in your life now? God has redeemed you from the penalty of your sins and is now restoring you from the effects of past sins. So how is God changing you, using you, and speaking to you now? So the key question here is what has changed and is changing in your life now? And who... And what is the focus of your life today? So many of us walk away with redemption. Yep, Jesus, he saved me and now life's really great. Where If you're sharing your story with someone, it's like, hey, how, how that through line of what's the area of life that Jesus has redeemed, how, what does it actually look like now? Not just life's great. Hopefully life is increasingly getting sweeter in the kingdom, but life can be hard. We're wrestling with things. So what has changed and is changing in your life now? And who and what is the focus of your life today? If you can, try and include at least two examples of how the gospel is changing and restoring your life, relationships with God or others, or any other part of your life that's being restored. This is where the good news of the gospel and what Jesus has done shows up in your everyday life. And try and include maybe a little bit about your eternal hope that now you will live forever with Jesus. So go ahead. Take two or three minutes and answer the question, what has changed and is changing in your life now? And who or what is the focus of your life today? God's story, and ultimately our stories, when we learn to tell it through God's lens and Him at the center, reveals to us what God has done, what God is doing, and what God will do. And how we know what God wants to do in our life today is by understanding what He's done, what He's doing, what He promises that He will do. And ultimately, all of this is summed up in the person of Jesus, His life death, resurrection, and return. And all of this reveals something of utmost importance. Who God is. God's story is about making himself known. That our stories, when we learn to tell it through the lens of God's story, it highlights not us, but it makes Jesus known. The gospel becomes present. That as we share that with people, it's always good news because it's always the gospel. It's always how Jesus has come to rescue and redeem all things. So how we're going to wrap up this time together is we're going to, as we have traditionally done, we'll break up into groups of three to four, two, three, four. And I want to encourage you. Now you've probably got somewhere between eight to 15 sentences, uh, hopefully. And would you actually share that with the people in your group? Uh, even if it's just those sentences, that's great. What we did today is just the beginning that hopefully gives you a framework that you can actually go home and kind of keep expanding upon it. But you actually may, hopefully will walk away from here hearing a little bit more about God's story, articulating your story, and actually getting to practice sharing that with other people. So go ahead, break into groups of three to four, share the story that you've come up with, and then pray for each other. And then after a little bit, We'll continue and worship together.